0: CHAPTER Twelve OF MYSTERY OF THE SECRET BAND. BY EDITH LAVELLE. THIS LIBRIVOX RECORDING IS IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN. DETECTIVE GAY ARRIVES. MARY LOUISE AWAKENED THE FOLLOWING MORNING WITH A DELIGHTFUL SENSE OF EXPECTANCY. IT WAS THE DAY BEFORE CHRISTMAS. SURELY HER FATHER WOULD COME. HE WOULD KNOW HOW MUCH SHE WANTED HIM, AND HER MOTHER WOULD BE UNSELFISH ENOUGH TO URGE HIM TO GO. HE WOULD BRING MARY LOUISE HER CHRISTMAS PRESENTS AND TAKE HER OUT TO CHRISTMAS DINNER. She dressed quickly and hurried down to the lobby to ask the secretary whether there was any message for her. None had arrived as yet, but by the time she had finished her breakfast, it came. "'Arrive about noon to stay over Christmas with you. Love, Dad!' were the precious words she read. Her eyes sparkling with anticipation, Mary Louise ran to Mrs. Hillard with her good news. "'So, you see, I don't need to go home,' she said. "'I can hardly wait till he comes." I'm so glad, dear, replied the manager. You've been an awfully good sport about being away from your family, and now you're getting your reward. I think I'll put in my time till he arrives by going over to visit my friend, Pauline Brooks, said Mary Louise. I'd like to find out whether she obtained her bail yet. You better be careful, warned Mrs. Hillard. That girl probably hates you now, and if she's free, there's no telling what she might do to you. I know she hates me, but she can't do a thing, especially with guards all around. And I'll be back before Dad comes. I want to be on the spot to greet him. She put on her hat and coat and went to the address, which Mr. Hayden had written down for her on the paper. She encountered no difficulty in finding her way to the matron, who had charge of the women prisoners. I am Mary Louise Gay, she said, a private detective in the employ of the manager of Stoddard House. I believe that two of your prisoners, Pauline Brooks and Mary Green, are guilty of some robberies there, as well as at the Bellevue, where they were caught. But I haven't evidence enough to prove my case. I thought if I might talk to these girls... The matron interrupted her. You can't do that, Miss Gay, she said, because they have already been released on bail, until her case comes up next month. How did they get the money? It was five hundred dollars, wasn't it? So soon... They wired yesterday to a Mrs. Ferguson in Baltimore. Miss Brooks received a registered letter this morning, and the girls left half an hour ago. Mary Louise sighed. It seemed as if she were always too late. Why hadn't she come here before breakfast, since she knew from Mr. Hayden last night that the girls had telegraphed a request for the money? Where did they go? Was her next question. I don't know. They were to report back here on the morning of January 2nd, or forfeit their bail. They won't be back, announced Mary Louise. Five hundred dollars is nothing to them. The matron turned to read a letter. She had no more time to discuss the subject with the young detective. But Mary Louise lingered. I just want to ask one more question, she said, and then I won't take any more of your time. Was there a letter from this Mrs. Ferguson, or did she merely send the money? There was a letter. I had it copied because Mr. Hayden told me to keep copies of any correspondence these girls had while they were here wait a minute yes here it is you may read it for yourself mary louise took the copy eagerly and read it as quickly as she could the writing was poor but entirely legible and the words were spelled right but the subject matter was so rambling that in certain places she was not sure that she read it correctly this was the letter which she finally deciphered dear girls you poor girls meet your misfortune with this five hundred dollars u s justice is terrible in what other country would they detain innocent girls baltimore is where i am now but i am leaving immediately for a trip to florida margaret can't go with me on account of school will you write to her get her address from the phone book treasure island is playing at the movies and we liked it a lot from my observation it is like the book c s enjoyed it thoroughly and so did i "'Bring me back the book if you go home for Christmas. "'It was mine, anyhow. "'Tonight I am packing. "'Baltimore is tiresome, and I'll be glad to leave. "'Love, Aunt Ethel.' "'May I make another copy of this letter?' "'Mary Louise asked the matron. "'Since it was rather peculiar, it would bear studying. "'Besides, it mentioned Margaret, "'and that might mean Margaret Detweiler.' "'The matron agreed. "'Yes, sit down at that desk, or do you want a typewriter?' "'Well, if you can lend me one,' answered Mary Louise. She had learned typing at school, thinking it would come in handy in her chosen profession. So she typed the letter carefully and put it into her handbag. As she stepped out into the open air again, she saw by one of the big clocks on the street that it was only a little past ten. Two hours to wait until she saw her father. Two hours with nothing to do. It seemed rather ridiculous that she should be so idle when everybody else was apparently so busy the throngs of people on the street rushed along as if there were not a minute to lose. I can go in here and buy some handkerchiefs for Mrs. Hillard for Christmas, she thought, as she entered a department store. All the rest of her gifts had been bought and wrapped up long ago. They were piled neatly in a box at home, ready for her mother to distribute to her family and her friends on Christmas morning. The organ in the store was playing Christmas music. Mary Louise lingered for a while after she had made her purchase to listen to it, she felt very happy because her father was coming. She returned to the hotel about eleven, put Mrs. Hillard's gift on her desk, and went down to one of the reception rooms to wait for her father. The Walder girls came in. They both had a half-holiday, so that they might start home early, and they said good-bye to Mary Louise and wished her a Merry Christmas. The slow hands of the clock crept towards twelve. At five minutes of the hour her father came. Mary Louise saw him the minute he opened the door and rushed to him as if it had been years and not days since their parting. "'Oh, Dad, this is grand!' she cried. "'I was so afraid you wouldn't be able to get here. Are you very busy?' "'No, dear,' he replied as he kissed her. "'There's a sort of lull in my work now, and I had expected to be home for several days. But now I'm at your service.' your aunt arrived yesterday to be with your mother over the holidays so they probably won't miss me much i want you to tell me everything that has happened so far max said your watch was stolen and you were hit on the head by a stone how is your head now it's all right daddy and i bought a cheap watch so i can get along without my good one though of course i was especially fond of it but come into the dining-room and let's have lunch while we talk at least if you don't mind being the only man with a lot of women Max objected to that. No, I don't mind, he said, and I am hungry. When they were seated at one of the small tables and had given their orders, Mary Louise began to tell her story. I was robbed that very first night, she said. Of course, it was pretty dark in my room, but not terribly so, for the street lights showed up quite well. Anyhow, I could see well enough to distinguish a small man with a cap and a black mask. Well— we had a watchman on guard that night and the police got here in no time but nobody saw the burglar get away i insisted he was hiding in the hotel but mrs hillard had it searched thoroughly and we couldn't find a man in the place i didn't dream then that it was a girl masquerading as a man but that is the explanation a girl named pauline brooks who lived right across the hall from me of course it was the easiest thing in the world for her to slip back into her own room and take off her disguise Did you search for the burglar in her room, too? Yes, we went there the very first thing. Pauline made us wait a minute or two. She said she had just gotten in from a dance and was half undressed. And you believed her? Yes, indeed. We had become quite good friends at supper that night. Mr. Gay laughed. But what finally led you to suspect her? Mary Louise went on to tell her father in detail about her false suspicions concerning first Miss Stoddard and then Miss Weinberger. And described her visit to the Bellevue and the catching of Pauline Brooks and Mary Green in the very act of stealing. But that wasn't evidence enough to prove them guilty of the robberies at Stoddard House, objected her father. I know, admitted Mary Louise, but I figured out there is a whole band of these secret hotel thieves. For I'm pretty sure two other members stole some silverware and a vase from Stoddard House a while ago. I believe, too, that a woman whom Pauline called her aunt is the leader. And that's what I want you to do, Dad. Go after her. But where is she? He demanded. I think she's in Baltimore now, at the Hotel Phillips, because that's where the girls got their money for bail five hundred dollars. She's planning to go to Florida, so you have to hurry. What could I do with her if I did find her? inquired Mr. Gay. Couldn't you arrest her? Not unless I had some evidence against her. Mary Louise sighed. It was dreadful, she thought to know that somebody was guilty and not be able to prove it. But she could see that her father was right. Mr. Gay was enjoying his lunch. He praised the food and the service to Mary Louise, and exclaimed in surprise that the hotel was not well filled. It's partly because of these robberies, explained Mary Louise. Several people have moved out just since I came. No wonder Mrs. Hillard is worried. But she feels encouraged since you found two of the thieves, doesn't she? The waitress approached the table and offered a menu. I'll take plum pudding, announced Mr. Gay, in celebration of the season. How about you, Mary Lou? Chocolate Sunday was her inevitable choice. Where, inquired Mr. Gay, turning to his daughter, did this aunt of Pauline's live when she was in Philadelphia? She stayed at the Ritz. Never at Stoddard House? Oh, no. Then we'll make a visit to the Ritz after lunch and I think I will take the two o'clock train to Baltimore to see what I can find out about the woman. What does she call herself? Mrs. Ferguson, and sometimes Mrs. Brooks. Possibly there are two different women, but I don't believe so. But what will you do at the Ritz, Daddy? Just make inquiries as to whether anything was stolen while the woman stayed there, and if so, what? That would give me a reason for going after her in Baltimore. That's a great idea, Dad." exclaimed Mary Louise joyfully. May I go to the hotel with you? Of course. Now you run along and get your hat and coat and tell Mrs. Hillard where you're going while I order a taxi. It was not until they were in the cab that Mr. Gay remembered to ask how Mary Louise had received the cut on her head. Max had not told him much, he explained, because he wanted to keep it secret from Mary Louise's mother to save her unnecessary worry. It was part of my investigation about Margaret replied the girl and she hurriedly told her father the reason for her visit to centre square and its consequences but i feel that in some way the two cases are tied up together she added for the woman who owns the place is named mrs ferguson and a face which i saw at the window reminded me of the woman pauline called her aunt but it's all very confusing the taxi pulled up at the ritz and mr gay and his daughter got out with his badge the former had no difficulty in interviewing the hotel detective immediately he asked whether any money or valuables had been lost at the ritz during the past week yes replied the other some money and a valuable bag containing two pearl rings were stolen last friday but we suspected a chap who called himself a traveling salesman and were on his track was a mrs brooks staying here at that time yes i remember her well with two nieces "'Please describe her,' urged Mary Louise. "'She is tall and stout, weighs around a hundred and eighty, I should judge, "'about fifty years old, with black hair, done very severely, looks like a wig, Dresses as well and wears jewelry, has false teeth and an ugly mouth, "'but seems a great favorite with the young people. "'That's about all.' "'That's enough,' said Mr. Gay. "'Now can you tell me just what was stolen?' "'The detective wrote down the articles on a slip of paper.' A bag containing two pearl rings and two hundred dollars. The bag was valuable in itself, being made of gold mesh, he told them. Thank you very much, said Mr. Gay, as he pocketed the list. I'll let you know if I have any success. The taxi was waiting outside the hotel, and Mary Louise jumped into it first. I'll ride to the station with you, Daddy, she said. Do you think you'll be back tonight? Maybe, he answered. But we'll have a fine Christmas together tomorrow. He was just in time to catch his train. Mary Louise watched it pull out of the station and wondered what in the world she would do to pass the afternoon. Slowly she walked out to the street and looked at the Christmas displays in the shop windows. She had gone about two blocks when she stopped to examine a particularly attractive display, featuring a small, real Christmas tree, when she noticed that the shop into whose window she was gazing was a tea room. A cup of hot chocolate ought to taste good. She decided rich and hot with whipped cream on the top so she opened the door and went inside little did she realize at that moment how thankful she was to be later on for that one cup of chocolate and the plate of little cakes that she ordered End of chapter twelve this recording is in the public domain